0: Are you wired up and ready to go? Excellent. She's always wired, says Dave. Um, For those of you who've never met her, this is Chris Richards. She's married to Dave, but we've invited Chris today much as we love dave many of you won't know but dave and chris richards were a key part of what became oxfordshire community churches if you track back through our history as a group of churches you'll find a place called merrifield house in whitney where these guys lived with other people in community and that was the part of one of the two things that joined together to become what became our group of churches that are now three regions as we know one of which is our region Open Gate and it was a delight to me that we've been able to welcome Chris to come and share with us because Chris isn't someone who rests in the past Chris is someone who learns from the past and embraces the future with God and I wanted to invite her just to come and share some of her heart and her passion as we live our journey in our generations for all that he's got for us so can we just pause and open our hearts? Yes. Yeah. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd anoint Chris. This woman of God, and we open our hearts to receive what you want to speak to Amen. us, through her. You, we give you our hearts this morning and invite you to shape and mould them by your word through her. Would you anoint her now? Yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen, Chris. Go Thank for it. You. Take your liberty.
1: Thank you very much. Um, just before I get into um, what I want to do, it, when we were singing that song this morning, there's no about the love of God that there's no mountain you won't climb up and there's no wall you won't tear down. Just felt there was somebody, at least one person here today, who felt like um, they were inside like a, a dark vault like a bank vault, and it was a small room, and it was complete darkness, and they were in there, and it was like everybody else, the rest of us singing were outside, and they just felt that God could not break through in their life, and that they were feeling that, yes, it's okay for everybody else, but not them. And I just saw that vault door being opened, and the the light flooded through. I just want to say that if that is you this morning, there is no place that the Lord will not go. That he might reveal himself to you, and that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Do not exclude yourself from that wonderful plan. That the vault door is not too big for him. And if there is, if that's you, then um, there are many people here who would love to pray with you at the end. So don't miss that opportunity um, to experience that light flooding into your life, where you feel the darkness is too big at the moment. Um, Really what I want to do, Dave asked me a question on the way here and he said, are you going to be inspirational or are you going to preach or teach or what? And um, I just want, I said, I'll make it clear, then there won't be any wrong expectations. What I'd really like to do this morning um, is I would like to share from uh, really, it's like a testimony, if that's okay. And that out of the testimony of my own life over the past sort of five or six years or so, um, the, some of the lessons I've learned that I hope will be inspirational for you. Um, so, is that okay? So, it's not going to be like a lot of scriptures and things, um, but it is going to to be, hopefully, stir you up to say, yes, there is more for me to move into. That's, that's my heart, that we, we go out like that this morning. So I guess my story um, started um, about six or seven years ago, and we were in Kansas City in the States with a guy called Tom Bedford, whom many of you will know because he has actually been to Oxford. He's a very, extremely prophetic guy. Um, you never know what's going to happen around him. And we were staying in his home. I hadn't, didn't know him at all. And he, he was just, he said this, one phrase, and it was like a bolt from the blue. I don't know what we were talking about. And he just, in the middle of his conversation, said, we have a right to expect encounters with God. And he just went in. And I re- that's all I really remember from that trip and the, and the subsequent things that happened. And it, it, it was a phrase, we have a right to expect encounters with God. It was like a wake-up call. And I thought, yes, I must not be satisfied with the ordinary. I must not be satisfied with the day-to-day as it is on earth. I must expect encounters with God. And it started a walk in my thinking. Um, That same trip, it was quite memorable for Dave and me, because that same trip... um, Tom was with us, and uh, he had to go and see a doctor. He came back, and when he came back from seeing the doctor, he said, would you like a prophetic evening? Shall we have a prophetic evening? I'm thinking, oh, no, it's a day off. (laughs) Like, what does he mean? It Does he mean that we've got to stand on the streets and go up to people and talk to people? Um, I'm thinking, so inside I'm saying, no, and outside I'm saying, yeah, why not, you know? (laughs) And so um, I didn't, we didn't know where he was going or what was doing. He said, get in the car. So it, what had happened previously, a few days previously, in a, in a leaders' meeting, one person had had a picture of a big mast, like a, a, a telephone mast thing, and it was red and white and it was very tall. He said, come with me. So we get in the car, and he, dro- he said, I've seen the mast. So we said... What do you mean you've seen the mass? He took us to this wasteland in the middle of Kansas City, which was a really rough area. And um, we stood there and we saw the mass that somebody had prophesied about. And we knew we were standing under, uh, within the picture that God had given us. And we were standing there and, it was, and we were feeling a little bit threatened because it was, as I say, it was a pretty rough area. Um, the one or two unsavory looking characters around, and I'm standing there feeling. What's going on? And then we looked up, and in that moment, it suddenly lit up, and it just all the lights came on on it. And it went, and we sort of went Ugh, like this, jumped back because it was like a moment. Now, I don't know if you can sense anything in that story of the prophetic or the awesomeness of God, but it was like a moment where you thought. There is something happening that is beyond us standing on a bit of waste ground looking at, looking at a mass. There's something bigger. We then go out for a meal. Sorry, I'm speaking quickly because there's so much I want to share. We, we, we then went out for a meal, and we were sitting in this busy Italian restaurant around a table. And they brought the meal, and as they brought the meal, we started to give thanks. And the Spirit of God fell in that moment, and the f- all four of us, he and his wife and Dave and I, could not speak. We couldn't speak. The presence of God was so heavy. And this was the prophetic evening that Tom was talking about. And what I want to say is, I want, I hopefully I'm going to try and get through seven things. The first thing is, expect to have frequent encounters with God. Whether you understand them, whether you don't understand them, if you don't know what's going on, that is not the prime object The object is that we learn to connect with heaven and we learn to recognize when God is doing something, whether we understand it or not, and that we have the courage and the boldness to acknowledge it and go with it, not pull back from it. He is beyond the ordinary. And this was all on the streets. This wasn't in a church meeting. Probably everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about, if it's within the context of worship or the context of church. But I'm not talking about that. This was happening on the streets of Kansas City, and it can happen on any streets. And I would venture to say that the Lord is more powerful on the streets than he is in the church. That's the big statement. But because you're out there, and it's all about faith at the end of the day, And it takes very little faith to experience God in a church meeting. It takes a lot of faith sometimes to experience him out on the street, depending on the situation. But it's all about faith. He is powerful on the streets. So that set me off on my journey um, that I was to... I changed my mind and I thought, this is the normal Christian life. What I have been living in was fantastic, it's great, but there actually is more to the normal Christian life than I've been experiencing. And if you look at the life of Jesus, every day must have been an adventure in in God. Every day you must have woken up and thought, okay, Holy Spirit, what do we do today? Now you're immediately thinking, oh, but I've got a job. Or I've got this, or I've got that. Yes, but it's within the framework of your job. It's within the framework of your whatever you're doing, nine to five. This isn't going out... I love what Ray and Marianne are uh, are doing. Um, But we don't all have to go out to to way out places to do this. Some of us in this room are called to do that. And we need to support that fully. But most of us will not get to these out-of-the-way places... But we all have a day to live and to represent what it is that God has invested in us to other people. So expect to have en- frequent en- encounters with God. The disciples, the sending out of the 70, um, these are examples that we've got before us where actually life in Jesus was a great adventure. Not that we're looking for adventure, but it's a byproduct of living life in him. If you were born again and spirit-filled and if you are following Jesus, then you can expect encounters in the supernatural. And if you think, what is is she talking about? If If you're not born again, then this could be a great morning for you to go and ask someone and say, what does that mean? I don't know if I am or I'm not. Filled with the spirit, what does that mean? I know I've given my life to Jesus, but... Am I filled with the Spirit? Am I not filled with the Spirit? If these are any of the questions that, that you have this morning, then again, come and talk to somebody at the end, and we'd love to pray with you about that or talk to you about it. But if you are, then you can expect encounters with God. So the next thing that happened to me was um, back in Basingstoke, which is where we've moved from uh, five months ago. Um, They they decided to have a School of Supernatural. I'd never heard of a School of Supernatural before. Apparently, it goes on in quite a lot of places. Um, But I liked it. I liked the sound of it. I thought, great, you know, this is me. So I signed up for it. um, And there were 12 of us um, that signed up. We were a disparate group of people. I mean, you could not get a more odd collection of people than the 12 of us. We were mixed in age. We were mixed in... Every every way imaginable. Um, there were the bright sparks and the clever ones. And there were, there were ones that would struggle to have a conversation with you, really. I mean, we were all over the place. Um, but we, we, we got together and we said we would do this, this uh, training with Emily Harland. Those of you who know the Harlands. Um, and I went. Now... <clears throat> I am not an evangelist. When you do those exercises where you find out and tick the boxes where your gifting is, evangelism is rock bottom. Absolutely. Like if there was all the other gifts and there'd be a huge gap and then evangelism at the bottom. I am not an evangelist at all. At least I wasn't. Uh, and I was the kind of, when even at Christmas singing carols in the street you'd think that would be pretty easy I would go and I would have a special evangelism coat my evangelism coat had a big hood and I would put the hood over and be in the middle of the group and sing just in case anybody saw me who knew me that was the extent of my evangelism total nightmare, total nightmare. Over the years, I've been challenged about this. I've thought, this isn't Jesus. Jesus was an evangelist. He was out there. I've got to do this. I forced myself to do things. I battled with it. I, any evangelist who came to the church, I would raise up and say, lay your hands on me, and I'd get top evangelists to lay. I've had them all ha- lay their hands on me so that I could get this anointing. Nothing. Nothing. I am not an evangelist in my gifting. So I guess about 95% of you can identify with me. Because some of you will think that's dreadful that she thinks like that. Isn't that awful? And the others will be going, phew, at last. You know, somebody who knows how hard this is for me as an introvert and someone who finds it difficult to go up to strangers. I'm, I'm with you. But there's been a journey of transformation that's gone on through the School of Supernatural that has totally changed things for me. It it is transformation. In fact, after that first group, we had a second group, which was like two or three times the size because people were so changed when they'd gone on the first group. Husbands were coming on the second group saying, well, my wife's so different, so now I've come to see what it's all about. That's great, isn't it? Good changes. That's, That's really great. One couple who came on that course, she was just retired and felt totally useless. She felt her life had finished. She was depressed. Her husband was depressed. Um, He was near suicidal thoughts, and he's a very shy man. And she didn't want to come on the course, and he made her come. He says, you've got to come on it. And within the first couple of weeks, she had a picture of an empty, rusty water tank and no water in it. And the Lord poured in loads of water, and she was refilled with the Holy Spirit, and she became so full of love for people that she was out on the streets telling people about the love of Jesus, a total transformation, because she'd come empty and depressed and felt life was finished, and the Lord just took hold of her and said, well, I'm not finished with you yet. And her husband had so many divine encounters on the street in the local shopping center, he would just go out, think of somebody really shy, really quiet, quietly spoken. Think of Neil, and then think of the opposite. (laughs) And you've got what this person's like. And he would go out on the streets, and he would simply say, Lord, who do you want me to speak to? And in fear and trembling... He would go and do that, and he became known in that area as the man of prayer, and people would bring, come up and say, you need the man of prayer, and he would go and sit there, and people would come up to him to get him to pray with them. That is transformation. So expect encounters with God, and secondly, don't disqualify yourself. If we could just look in Genesis 1, um, this is where it all begins. It's always good to start in Genesis, isn't it? Um, Got so many keys to um, the rest of, of the Bible. Genesis 128, the scriptures that we're looking at, you know them. You are so familiar with them. And God blessed them, man and wife, husband and wife, Adam and Eve. God blessed them, male and female. And God said to them, Both of them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. So there are three things that God gave man and woman. One, he blessed them so they could be a blessing. Secondly, the commission was to be fruitful. And thirdly, to rule and have authority. That's where it all started at the beginning of creation. There is something within each one of us, as man and woman, and as God-fearers and and disciples of Jesus Christ, about being a blessing, about being fruitful, and about carrying authority. And when we go out into the streets, or with your neighbours, or wherever you are, that's what you are carrying, because that's what you created to carry. That commission has never changed. God's people are still carrying that anointing and that commission in the world today. Can we look at um, Mark 16, verse 15? So this now is when Jesus has uh, risen. And these, these are his words. Must be very important words. Well, all his words are important, aren't they? Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. By the way, how we do that, how we proclaim the world is different for each one of us. We'll do it different ways. There's no one size fits all. Proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Now, to me, this is really important. These signs and wonders are not for the leaders. It's not for the disciples of old. It's not for the clever. It's not for any one group of people. It's for those who believe. If you believe in Jesus, then it's for you to expect signs and wonders to follow you. Now, I wish I could say there were masses of signs and wonders following me. I have a huge gap here, but I see it as a gap and I want it to get smaller and I'm on a journey in seeing it get smaller So please don't feel condemned by this or feel it's too great. But if we were to meet here next year, I would hope that every one of us could say, yes, there's still a gap there, but the gap is smaller because I've got stories of how I've seen God work in my life and in the lives of those around me. So don't disqualify yourself if you're one who believes these things will happen. Matthew 28, 28, 18, again, incredibly familiar. Let's just quickly look at it, because there's just one thing I want to say from there as well. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority. All means there's nothing outside of it. He has all authority. It's pretty clear there. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, and I will be with you to the end of the age. Just a, two things with this. Or it's, it's interesting. All authority is being given to me, therefore go. And I, that sounds a little bit weird. It's like me saying, um, I've got all the finances in the world, so you go and buy that. I'm thinking, well, if I've got it all, why am I telling somebody else to do it? Do you see, it sort of sounds a little bit odd. It, you would expect all authority is mine, therefore I will. But he's saying all authority is mine, therefore you. So it can only be the fact that he's investing his authority into us to go and do the work. That we are co-laborers with him and he is giving us what we need to go and do it. Are you with me with that? Does that make sense? This word "go" is continuous. It's in going. It's in going wherever you go. Go wherever you go. Make disciples wherever you are going tomorrow morning. Think of that place where you're going tomorrow morning. Whatever it is you've got to to do, in your going, go and make disciples. For God is with you. In your going, go and heal the sick, for God is with you. Wherever we are, wherever the people of God go, in our going, we are to expect the Lord to be with us, we know he's with us, and to see things happen that we're going to make a difference in people's lives. It's in our going. We have all the resources we need. We have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Whoa! And you know, in my mind, I was thinking, well, I know it says that I have the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And I think about Christ being raised from the dead. I think, but over the centuries, I guess it must have been a little bit become a little bit watered down. So well, I've got this watered down version of the Holy Spirit, not this same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. But in fact, Scripture doesn't say that. It's the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Yeah. Wow, we have that. When you go out tomorrow, in your going, every day that you go out, you can know, you can say it, you can declare it. And I suggest you do declare it. I go with the same Holy Spirit within me that raised Christ from the dead. You watch that lack of confidence go. You watch your mind get changed as you declare it out because we can declare it not because it's a nice fuzzy feeling but because the scripture tells us that that is the case. That is Romans 8, 11. The promise of Christ never leaving us, which we've just read. You are not going out into your workplace situation, into your college situation, with that awful colleague or that awful boss that has got a down on you. You are not going on your own. Christ is with you. We have all the resources we need. Bill Johnson says, there's an unrestricted flow from heaven to this world. And you know, I've started, you may think this is a little bit they have a flaky thing to do. But, you know, I, I go around with a little bit more of an awareness that every place I go into, there's actually an open heaven over me because I'm a child of God. And the work is finished. The work is done. And that makes such a difference. I'm very simple, so I see things in picture form. I, I, just, I'm, I am very simple, very simple. So what I do is I actually walk around with this big open funnel over me sometimes I forget it's there and sometimes I forget to look and sometimes I'm not aware of it but it doesn't change it being there and I plug in from time to time especially when I'm not feeling confident when it's a difficult situation and I can say no actually I'm walking under an open heaven wherever I go the Lord Jesus Christ is going with me whatever this situation is if it's a a weird and wonderful situation. If it's a spooky place you're in for some reason, I don't know, where were we recently? And I'm thinking, well, oh, this is a bit just not very, it's a bit sort of new agey and a bit spiritu- uh, spiritually not very nice. I'm thinking, I'm a child of God. This has to change when I walk into this place. I'm setting my feet upon this place, therefore things have to change. It's, it, it's truth, because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. That's the truth. And it doesn't matter whether we feel it or not. That's not the issue. The issue is what the Bible tells us. You are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. I'm going to move on because of time, but a royal priesthood is pretty good. Thirdly, be who you are. As I said, I was struggling for decades, not just years, decades of my life trying to be an evangelist at odd moments when it it, it sort of the, the issue reared its head again, and again, it was in the states. I think god God speaks to me in the, in Kansas City. Oh, I need to go to Kansas City a bit more. Um, but it, again, it was in, it was funnily enough in a hotel room there, and I was just going through this awful um battle again, oh Lord, I'm not speaking to people about the about you whatever it was, I was really beating myself up about it. And I just felt this voice say, well, what if I bring people to you? I said, oh, that would be nice. (laughs) You mean I don't have to go out onto the streets thinking, do I go and talk to that person? Do I go and talk to this person? Remember, this is my journey. Some of you, that may not be an issue at all. um, And I thought, oh, well, that would be great, Lord. Thank you very much. You're going to bring people to me. And then he said, what if it's in a coffee shop? Oh Lord, you know my heart. (laughs) A coffee shop, where better place? Where would I feel more comfortable than in a coffee shop? Yes, hallelujah for coffee shops. So that was how God began. I wish I could tell you some of the stories that happened, but the Lord within days, in two or three days, Long story short, we were in a coffee shop. I was with Dave and one of the other guys there, and a woman, two people down, uh, was was crying. Dave kept saying, "There's a woman crying. There's a woman crying." I'm thinking, "Well, what's it got to do with me?" You see, that's that's the old that's me. I'll be honest, that's me. Well, what's it got to do with me if there's a woman crying? And um, you know, we carried on talking. He said, "That lady's still crying." So. You can see the mercy and the evangelism in me. can't It oozes out of me. And um, so the third time, he said, she's really crying. So I, uh, and then it dawned on me, two days earlier, the Lord had said, what if I bring people to you? And what if it's in a coffee shop? Talk about being slow. How slow can you get? So anyway, well, Lord, if this is you, if this is you, I pray that, the next, that these two guys between me and her will leave so I can see her, because I couldn't see this woman. Immediately, immediately, But the guy closed his laptop, walked away, and the other guy put his coffee cup down and went, and I could see her immediately. God is so good. When you are a baby in this, he has great fun with you. It is great fun. It's laugh-out-loud fun. And um, anyway, I went over to her. She'd just lost her husband. She was a Native American. She had, I said, have you got any faith? The Lord p- gave that to me because I'd never spoken to anybody in my life like this before. And um, uh, I, anyway, we had a good conversation and we emailed for a couple of years after that. Listen, guys, God will make this easy for you. You may not be a coffee shop person. You may be, wherever, you're, wherever you are, God will do it there for you. It's be who you are. And the Lord said to me, I said, I just can't do this. And he said, can you be prophetic on the streets? I said, oh, yeah, do that. Because that resonated with me. Because I think, well, I'm I'm more prophetic than I am evangelistic. Let's put it that way. So now... I've got a shape that that God gives me that is my shape. I have seen this over and over again. There's a guy in the School of Supernatural who hasn't got a car. He walks everywhere and gets public transport. He's leading people to the Lord in bus stops and at the station. That's his area. Those are his people, if you like. He was standing at a bus stop one day, and a woman walked over to him and said, Would you pray for me? Out of the blue. Because he is anointed for his area and God is using him as he is. You do not have to be somebody else's shape in this. You have to be fully who you are. Increase your intimacy with Jesus. This is not flaky experience-based living. This is root and prayer living where the supernatural comes out from that place. This is not to replace reading the word, going to church, um, or being part of church, not going to church, because we are the church. I knew my husband would tell me off about that. Um, This is not. The intimacy with Jesus has grown over these years. I love him more now, and I'm finding it easier to talk about Jesus than I ever have in the rest of my life, because the reality of it is so much greater Spend time with him. And I used to be a great prayer list person. um, And I'd tick tick off what I prayed for and be different people on different days. That's not wrong. But what I'm saying is um, love him and worship him first. It was Derek Prince who said, if you've got 10 minutes to pray, spend 8 minutes in worship. That has transformed my life. So increase your intimacy with Jesus and spend time in his word. If you've lost a hunger for that, ask God for the hunger. The fifth thing, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Don't expect that this is comfortable if we're going out encountering people who don't know Jesus, but just live with it. It will be uncomfortable. Don't let that put you off. Just want to read this email from somebody who's on the course uh, with me. On a Saturday afternoon, I was walking into Tesco and there was a lady sitting on a wall. I felt God prompt me to go and ask if she was okay. I was disobedient. Don't, be, don't beat yourself up if you get it wrong. God, will, God is not going to strike you down with, a, uh, with lightning if you get it wrong. He will give you another chance. I was disobedient and said, if she was there when I came out, then I'd ask then. I came out and she wasn't on the wall. I knew I should have responded, so I felt awful and repented. As I walked to my car, she was coming towards me. I was so grateful God gave me a second chance. As she approached, I asked her, "'Are you okay?' She responded by saying, "Um, "'Yes, uh, no. "'Please could we exchange telephone numbers and meet for coffee?' I was amazed, a complete stranger. I prayed with her, and we exchanged numbers.' By the time I arrived home, she'd already texted to say how lovely it was to have met. I responded with a suggested time to meet coffee. Um, The text got lost, but then they met up again, um, supernaturally, in the middle of town. At that time, I felt God asked me, are you prepared to walk the journey with her? And it wasn't a natural connection, but... Um, margie met up with this lady for 18 months having coffee every couple of weeks a couple of months ago i asked her if she'd like to be part of the discovery bible study that i've started she was really keen and it started coming after the first session when i dropped her home she said how fun it was reading the bible together and learning about god we've been able to pray for her about various issues this is the highlight of my week We have a lady in the group who is a recovering alcoholic who was literally rescued by Jesus three years ago. So it's so exciting as she's discovering more about God's love for her. She'd been an alcoholic for 25 years. Yesterday she said, I feel no shame, no guilt, just pure love from God. How amazing is that? And then Margie says, Seeing this lady from the streets being drawn by God makes all of our going out of our comfort zone... So worth it. The big question is this. Are you prepared to go out of your comfort zone? If the answer to that is no, then you will shrink back from going out to speak with people. You've got to learn to feel uncomfortable. It's a walk of faith, and faith is risk. Sixth thing, let your words bring life. The evangelists here will really be um, upset with me when I say this. But I, I personally believe that the aim isn't to bring someone to the Lord every time you meet, meet them. Sorry, evangelists. It's to do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Because you may be part of a thread that the Lord is speaking to these people about. Um, and you don't know the full picture The important thing is that you bring life through your words to people. Remember, blessing, fruitfulness, and authority. And so how this works, um, and then I'll bring this to a close. I'm aware of time. Um, So there was, um, in the undercover market in in Oxford, um, there was a guy, and I just said, Lord, what would you say to him? My question usually is, Jesus, what would you say to that person? Because it's different every time. There's no technique to this at all. Techniques are useful to get you going, but I think then we can grow beyond the technique. Um, and um, so I felt the Lord wanted to say to this man who'd got a very unruly little two year old who was causing havoc, when he got up to go, I just felt I needed to say to him, Hi, you know you're a good father. And he just jumped, he said, Do you really think so? I said, I know so. You are a good father. That's what the Holy Spirit gave me. Did I lead him to the Lord? No. But I knew I brought a blessing into his life that was from heaven. Um, Look at the words that Jesus said. Follow me. Go get your husband. He knew what to say. And I'm going to finish with this one story. Point seven is obedience is success for those taking notes, by the way. The question is, be obedient. That is successful if you're obedient. Just want to finish with this one story. We're in a furniture shop, store in um, Oxford. And um, we, we'd been in there quite a while looking at furniture. This was a couple of weeks ago. And um, I was sitting there and I'd forgotten to ask the question, and I just suddenly remembered. And as he was sitting on one city talking to us about the city, and Dave and I were there, there was nobody else in the shop. That's a big clue. If there's nobody in the shop thinking, you say, okay, Lord, have I got space here to say something? Okay, take it as a, a, a guidance, if you like. If you're in a shop... With the, with, with the manageress or the shopkeeper or whoever, or a person, there's nobody else around, ask the question, Lord, what do you want to say to this person? Okay? So I was sitting here, Dave was talking to him about the, the settees and things, and I just remembered, it's easy how you forget, I just said, Lord, Jesus, what would you say to this young man? And um, it was something I've, I know people use this, I'd never used it before, and I just said to him, um if I could pray for one thing for you, what would it be? I'd never said that to anybody before. And he immediately said, oh, happiness. And I didn't know what to say. I thought, oh, uh, it totally threw me, because I hadn't got the second bit. I'd only got the first bit. And so I blathered around and said, well, that's quite a nice thing to pray for, isn't it? Yeah, everybody wants to be happy. And I thought, you idiot, you know, where, what are you saying? So I thought, complete failure, messed it up. He went to get some papers, and I was just feeling condemned. He came back, looked me straight in the eye, and he said, and if I asked you what to pray for, what would you answer to that question? (laughs) And I'm thinking, I said, nobody's ever asked me that before. I said, "Um, I don't know. And uh, then it came to me. I said, oh, I know. He so said, I've got three grown-up children, and they're not all walking with the Lord. I said, I would ask you to pray that they all walk with the Lord, because I know that's the best way to live. If you follow Jesus, that's the best way to live, and I want that for my children. That's what I'd ask you to pray for. And he said, well, when did you find the Lord? <laughs> He's asking me for my testimony. So I, I then, we then went on to talk about what happened in Whitney in the early 70s when we gave our lives to the lord tears start coming down his face and he said well i find it difficult to believe in someone up there because my dad died at a very young age and it's messed my brother up and he's mentally ill because of it and he said i haven't cried about it he said i don't cry so dave put his hand on his shoulder and said that's okay He said, there's nothing wrong in crying. This is our email. If you want to come for a meal sometime and talk further. He said, this is karma. This is karma. Yeah, that's right. If they haven't got the vocabulary, don't worry. He was receiving, God, a touch from heaven. Can you do that? Do you want that kind of adventure? You do, don't you? Because do you know why you want it? Because you were built for breakthrough. That's why. And that's why you like to hear testimonies. Because the spirit of God rises within you. And something within you says, this is the life I have given my life for. And so I just pray that these stories will motivate you to go on on an adventure with God. And that you will this week, this week, if you're very nervous, smile. Smile. Smile at as many people as you can. Just smile at them. You are blessing them. Then, if you can engage with them, just say hi to as many people as you can. Forget political correctness. Just go and do it. And then say, Lord, what would you say to this person? See what God shows you and be obedient and do it. And I'll guarantee that in the celebration next time, you will bring testimonies and stories of of what God has done. Amen. Would you like to stand and I'll pray for you. Father, we thank you that you are the giver of life. Lord, we thank you that you are not a God who is afar off, but you are right here with us, that you have said you will never leave us. And Lord, we thank you that we are your children, that you have given us authority to go and make a difference in this world, on the streets and in our villages and towns, in our cities and in our workplaces and our colleges and our schools. And Father, we pray that as we are filled with your Holy Spirit, we pray for a fresh anointing even now now, Lord. And I pray for a confidence and a boldness to come upon us as a people, that we will go out and we will know what to say because you are speaking to us and you are giving us the words that will break situations open and that the love of God will be expressed to those who do not yet know you. Father, we ask that this would be this week, even this week, we pray for those divine encounters that will bring us great joy and bring us home rejoicing as the 70 came home rejoicing. Endow as we pray with more of the supernatural that we go out and we see miracles happening in our streets. Father, we want to glorify your name. We do this not for our own sake, but that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted high and we honour and glorify you. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you ever so much, Chris. I'm sure many...